0: Blessed is the man who does not step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers but the man who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on his law day and night He is like a tree planted by streams of water Yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Well, good morning, Oakwood, and welcome to part three of our series called Rooted. Before we get too deep into it today, I asked something a couple weeks ago as we began this series of how many of you have been through Taco Bell's drive-thru. So, Taco Bell drive-thru people, have you ever been through? Several of you, okay. We had several in first service as well. Good. You can relate to this. How many of you have been there since that sermon through the drive-thru? Has anyone been there? Have you noticed anything different? First service knew this. None of you have been there. Okay. The tree is gone. You remember when I talked about the tree that was planted and everybody's like, oh yeah, yeah, there's that tree that's really weird? It's gone. Okay, so just to clear things up this morning, I just want to let everybody know, I did not order that execution of the tree. I don't know if they're listening online, or maybe we've got Taco Bell employees here, which would be awesome. Thank you so much for coming. But the tree is gone, like the leaning tree is gone. It's cut off at the base. I just, I laughed, I went through the drive-thru this week, and I look, I was thinking, oh yeah, we're going to go see the tree that's, you know, leaning, and it's, it's gone. So I just want you to know that I didn't order that, I had nothing to do with the execution of the tree. And I don't know what happened to it either, so I just wanted to clear that up before we got in into this any further this morning. But no, seriously, I uh, just want to welcome you, glad you're here this morning, part three of our series, and uh, last week, we, just to bring you up to speed, last week we started talking about the uh, four types of soil that Jesus taught about us in Mark 4, so if you have your Bible turn to Mark 4, that's where we're going to be uh, for the next several weeks, and we talked about last week about the hard soil, and we talked about how that hardness, that the the Word of God can't even take root at all. It's just kind of like seed on top of this hard soil was really, for many people, it's inattention. Uh, for some people, it's just this aversion that I just don't buy any of this, I don't believe in this, I don't even like Christians and... And what they stand for. Some people, it's ignorance. I mean, isn't it interesting, the Scripture we read last week that talks about how Satan actually shields the eyes of those that follow him. He shields their eyes so they don't even get it. They can't even understand the Gospel. I mean, it looks like foolishness to them, what we're doing this morning. It's like, oh, praise him, and sing his his praises. It's like, that just seems so awkward and foolish to them, because they're shielded. They can't actually receive the Word of God at all. And so, it's like I said last week, as we, get, as we progress through this in the next few weeks, you're going to find yourself in one of these soils. One of these soils, you're, you're going to be able to relate to, you're going to see it, and you're going to read about it, and you're going to go, oh, that's me. And sometimes you may say, oh, that's me years ago, which is great. Oh, that's me, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. But some of you may say, if you mean, be honest with yourself, it's just between you and the Lord, and just say, hey, that's me today. And so hopefully we're going to raise the awareness of that to get you to open up your heart to more, to more of God's Word. So Mark chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn there. Uh, if you're using one of our Bibles, 839, as always, you can follow along in the app, which is always my choice when I'm, I'm not on stage teaching. I love to follow along in the app. All the sermon notes and all the scriptures are there for you. We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 5 today, as we're going to the next type of soil. The last week was the hard soil, that the path, you know, the seed that had fallen on the path and it was beaten down. Today we're talking about the rocky soil, the rocky soil. So let's begin here in verse 5. It says, other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Now if you jump down to verse 16, this is where Jesus actually kind of gives an explanation of what we just read in His teaching in this parable. In verse 16 it says this, And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then, when tribulation or persecution arises, On account of the word, immediately they fall away. The rocky soil. When I I first heard this and read about this, and this was probably, you know, 15 or 20 years ago, I had this thought in my mind of rocky soil, like soil with rocks in it. Like I'm picturing, you know, some soil that has, you know, a hundred stones in it. It's got all these little rocks and maybe different shapes and sizes and some of them porous and non-porous, but it just got rocks in it. And what do you do when you get rocks in your flower bed or rocks in your garden? You got to, you got to pull it out, right? But that's not actually what it's talking about here. We read rocky ground or rocky soil, that's what we think about. Well, this is actually talking about, and this would be uh, just evident to Jesus teaching in the first century to his first century followers there. They would get this immediately because of the landscape and the way the land was in Palestine or or over there in the nation of Israel. They would get this, that there was so much stone in, in so many places that the soil would be on top of literally a layer of rock. And so you're talking about this much soil. So you feel like, hey, it's dusty soil. It's on top, but there's only maybe this much soil, maybe an inch in some places, maybe just, maybe just two inches in other places, maybe even thinner and thinner than that in some places. But what we're talking about is a base of rock that's below a very thin layer of soil. That's what it's talking about. This is the Rocky soil And so we have to bring that into our understanding today. Now you may have experienced something growing in that type of soil. Let me give you an example from my house. My house I have a back patio, and off of my back patio is a planter. It's about two and a half feet high and it's brick. and in the middle of the planter it's just got soil in it, and so you know we grow flowers there and you know try to beautify the back, backyard and, and we've grown different things in there through the, through the years. But one thing that's interesting is, and, and I actually had this happen just a couple weeks ago. Uh, I love pulling weeds. Weeds bother me, and so I always want to pull them all the time. But I let a weed stay because it was actually growing out of a crack in the mortar on the brick. So it wasn't in the part that had the soil. There was just, it was kind of toward the outside. It was growing out at a a weird angle. And and, and wherever this little weed was coming from was down in the mortar. I mean, we're talking just a microcosm of, of a crack. And what I'm thinking is over time, as water has splashed on there, maybe splashed some dirt uh, over the side of the planter, uh, maybe as, a, as, a, as the wind has blown, you know, the Oklahoma wind has blown some dirt down in that crack, there's just enough there where this little little weed can grow and, 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 and you know, gets seeded in there somehow, works its way down and starts to grow. Now, what was interesting is just a couple weeks ago, we were wearing shorts, right? Because, you know, it was like 85 degrees, you know, it was hot, and we were like, man, you wish fall would come, and now fall's here, everybody's whining. You know, it's going to be 40 degrees tomorrow, and it's like, hey. But, but I let it sit there, and I let it sit there for the hot days, because I just, I wanted to pull it. It was bugging me. But I was like, I'm going to leave it, because I knew, you know, riding a stand, I want to see what happens to this thing when it gets really hot. And we have those days where it's 85, 88 degrees, and about the third day, I saw that thing just kind of begin to wither, and then it actually died, and I never had to pull it. And you know Why? Because there wasn't enough moisture built into that. There wasn't enough soil down there. There wasn't a deep enough root to actually get it to sustain when the sun came. And that's exactly what Jesus is teaching in our passage today. That's exactly what he's talking about. He's, He's saying here that when tribulation comes, what does it say there? When persecution and tribulation comes, when a hard time comes, that those roots are not deep enough because there's this hardness. There's this rocky layer below it. Last year we talked about the rocky layer it was the top, right? And the seed didn't even penetrate it at all. In fact, it says that Satan came in and it uses the, the imagery of a bird, that the birds came in and just ate the seeds. And that the word of God, which is the seed, didn't have any, any root in the heart. Here we're talking about something else. Here we're talking about the seed actually makes it into some soil and starts to sprout a little bit, but it can't have any depth. And Jesus uses this example to describe a heart that receives the word of God. And what does it say there in our passage? It says receives it with what? With joy. So so we're excited about what the Lord is doing in our lives. We're excited to learn the Bible. But what? It stays, nobody likes this word. It stays shallow. Shallow. No deep, no depth, no deep rootedness in it just stays shallow. This type of soil represents a heart that I would call an emotional hearer. Someone that listens to the Word of God and they kind of get excited. In fact, they'll even accept the truth and they'll accept it with joy. But they do not understand, they do not contemplate, maybe they don't even think about the price that may be paid for being a genuine follower of Jesus for being what we would call, what? A true Christian. It, was, it seems that when it begins to cost something, when a time of tribulation or persecution comes, when it costs me something personally, then it seems like that faith begins to wane. There may be this great enthusiasm at the beginning. It may last several days or maybe even weeks, or I think in some Christians it lasts for several months. But when the difficulties begin, when it starts to cost us something, when the enthusiasm wanes and the joy disappears, there's no deep root. And Satan attacks against the work of the Word. And it's not just directed toward the first hearing of the Word. That's what we talked about last week when we first hear the Word. But this is someone who's heard the Word more than once. You know, last week it was immediately swallowed up. This one says, no, 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 it's not immediately swallowed up. It actually begins to take roots. But the roots are not deep enough to sustain. Even after a person has heard the Word and received it in joy. Satan does not... Does not, you know, lay down and say, oh, they've accepted the word now, so I've got to leave them alone. No. No, he likes to amp it up. He wants to do his best to take that away, to bring this person to fruitlessness To bring this person to a place where he can kill off the work that God has started and that the Word of God has started in their heart and in their life. And just because Satan is not able to keep everyone from responding to the gospel or the Word of God with joy, doesn't mean that he gives up on those people. Doesn't mean that he just says, oh, I'm just going to, you know, go away. Now, I got to thinking about this, and, and how do we describe this for today, 21st century? What does this look like today? And I think of a lot of things, and you have to understand, I'm looking at this through my pastoral lens, as someone who's in the church and knows lots of people, who's this person with a shallow soil? Who's this person that receives it and they're joyful, and then all of a sudden, as soon as it gets hard, as soon as there's a challenge, let me give you some of those challenges, like as soon as the relationship that I'm having with someone of the opposite sex changes, you know, we used to do these things together, but then the word came and started to take root in my heart and it, it cost me something. Because now I'm saying, hey, we used to do these things and now I, I want some guardrails, I want some boundaries back here. And so we're, we're not going to do those things anymore. What does it cost you? It might cost you a relationship. What if it's something else? What if it's something with a friendship that you do some things with some friends that you know you shouldn't be doing? And you know that it pulls you away. You know that it's borderline trouble. You know that you could actually be breaking the law, that there could actually be major consequences for what you're choosing to do with these people. And so you decide, I'm going to put some distance here because of the conviction of the word in my heart. I'm going to put some distance here. And yet when you do, it could cost you something. When it begins to cost you something, you begin to reconsider and the shallowness of the roots that it's not deeply embedded yet because of the rock that's underneath that only allows you to go this deep. That hardness, maybe it's compromising at your job, that you know there's this job that you're supposed to do, and you're supposed to handle the finances a certain way, and you're compromising. It's just a series of small little things. But what do these people look like exactly? I see these people come into our church. In fact, I think they come into every church. And they come in, and they receive the Word of God joyfully. And they go through this period of excitement, and then if you're sitting here this morning, and you know some of these people, and you begin to look around, and you thought when you came in, you know, I haven't seen so-and-so in a while, could be rocky soil. I understand the circumstances in life that sometimes keep us away from worship, but I would say by and large that sometimes we encounter a rocky soil. Something got real in somebody's life. Something got hard. It became hard to follow Jesus. My spouse, my husband, or my wife, they don't want to come with me. Yeah, I received it with joy, and it began to take root, and I was excited. And then when the hard times came, when the tribulation and the persecution, and when it became harder to follow Jesus, the roots just weren't there to keep me in. Sometimes I I think about that. We have people come to church and maybe even get baptized, maybe even join the church, and then nine months later, they're gone. Is it a shallow root? Could it be some rocky soil? Could it be that there's some some more depth that needs to be there and some brokenness of that hard, rocky place underneath the soil? It's great that they have soil to at least plant and start a work in with the Word of God. But what needs to happen next? What's going to happen when God calls them to sacrifice? To sacrifice something. To give up something that you love something that you should love even more what about when that day comes maybe you're at that place and maybe today you say I can relate to this I feel like I might be shallow in my soil and so Satan takes that word away before it even gets and I'm even going to say a foothold I'm going to say before it gets a toehold Satan takes that word away rocky soil Initially receive the word, but don't have the depth to sustain the growth and the work that God wants to do. And at the first sign of trouble, sacrifice, persecution, tribulation, or a cost, it seems like the heat comes and they just wither away. What are some things that we can do to help with that. What are some things that we could do that would help prepare the soil to, to get rid of some of the rockiness and, and the shallowness of our soul? I'm going to share just three things with you this morning out of about 10 that I wrote. The first one is this. We need to raise our awareness of the devil's plan. We need to raise awareness of the devil's plan. Now, I'm going to share a couple of verses of scripture here with you. I want you to understand from the New Testament, I could share a hundred verses with you. No exaggeration. I can share a hundred verses with you that talk about this very thing that says, hey, Christians, be aware of the devil. Hey, Christians, wake up. Hey, Christians, know that the devil is out there. Know that there's spiritual warfare going on. Know that he's battling for your soul. Know that he wants to to warp your mind. He wants to be in control of you. Know that he wants to lure you away from the Lord. Know that he wants you to do bad things. He wants to put temptation before you for you to enter into sinfulness. So it pulls you away from the living God. Hundreds of scriptures, but I'm just going to share a couple. First one's this, 1 Peter 5.8. 1 Peter 5.8. You've probably heard this before if you've been around church. It says this, be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. I love that verse because of that last part about the, 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 the roaring lion, that the, the, the lion comes around, and notice that he uses the word prowls there. He prowls around. He's kind of sneaky. If you watch Nat Geo or Animal Planet or one of those channels, you've seen it before, right? You've seen the hunt, the lions there, in the grasses, and it's kind of down low, right? It's down low, and then it kind of sneaks up a little bit and it stops. And the little animals are, you know, ears up. And they're looking around like, do I hear something? I don't want to be someone's lunch. I don't hear anything. There's nothing coming. All right, go back to eating, mind their own business. Lion creeps up a little closer. I hear a little rustle. They're once again alert. <laughs> smells like something, looks like something. I hear something. Ah, I'll be okay. Gets back down, start eating, and the lion is just prowling, coming up, sneaking up on the prey, not announcing himself, not, not 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 just not just saying, you know, here I am, but he 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 likes to lure us away. He likes to be sneaky. That's his game plan. Works a lot better for him, can affect more lives, and can sometimes give us this element of surprise, right? Surprise! Now, now we're paying attention. And the scripture here says, sober-minded, watchful be you about the devil and his plans. We need to raise our awareness that the devil's out to get us. And if you're a new or baby Christian, you're one of those people that says, hey, I'm still shallow soil because I'm brand new to this thing. I've only been a Christian for two weeks. I'm just saying the scripture says, be sober judgment, be mindful, be aware, be watchful that the devil is going to come after you. And try try to allow hardness in your heart just below the surface, just below the surface. Good Christian soil on top, hardness just below. The second thing, oh, I'm sorry, I almost forgot. John 10.10 is a scripture that Alan had mentioned earlier. John 10.10 says this. It says that the thief, and this would be Satan, the devil. It says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. If you want to know what his game plan is, it's just laid out for you right there. Going to destroy, steal, and kill everything good in your life. Going to make your life miserable. Wants to steal your joy, wants to steal your family, wants to steal your relationships, your friendships wants to destroy your marriage, wants to destroy your kids, wants to destroy your finances, wants you to become addicted to things in this world so you are broke and unhappy and depressed, Still kill, and destroy. And then Jesus, he then says, but I have come that they may have life and then they may have it abundantly. Abundant life we've read this scripture before sometimes I like to see the show of hands you know how many want an abundant life everybody oh yeah I want an abundant life but remember don't follow the ways of Satan because he roars like a or he prowls like a roaring lion seeking who he will devour and he comes to steal kill and destroy your life so don't allow him to have a foothold don't give him an open door The second thing this morning is we need to allow God's Word to dwell richly in us and become rooted. To dwell richly in us and become rooted. This idea of dwelling is an idea of time. We need to take time. If something's going to dwell, if I say, hey, I'm going to come over and and I'm going to dwell with you, that gives you this sense that there's going to be some time spent there, right? We don't dwell for like 10 seconds, right? I'm going to dwell with you. All right, we're done. Okay. This is something that is going to take time, and and it talks about this in, in, in Scripture. Look at this, Colossians 3.16. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. We have to allow the Word of God to dwell richly in us if it's going to change us and if it's going to become more deeply rooted. You see, Satan's plan is, and we saw it last week, is to have the birds come in and eat the seeds. It's here when you got the tiny little roots and the little baby things, it's to come in and mess it up. Have the sun come out and bake that thing to a crisp so it dies and it withers away and there can be no good fruit produced in that plan. That's his game plan. That's what he's after. And if we allow the Word to dwell in our hearts richly, begins to break that rocky soil. When we allow the word of God to dwell in us richly, it's like fertilizer and water and sunshine. Not the kind that kills you, it's so hot, but no, the good stuff that produces growth in your life and growth in your heart. We need to allow God's word to dwell richly in us and become rooted in him. The third thing this morning is we need to get accountable relationships in our lives. Accountable relationships in our lives. Now, the verse we just read in Colossians 3.16 says, The Word of God dwell richly in you, teaching and admonishing one another. It doesn't say teaching and admonishing yourself. It says teaching and admonishing one another. So there's this idea that there's relationships here. Look what it says in verse 16 and 17 of our, of our passage in Mark 4. It says, And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground, the ones who then hear the Word immediately and receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. You know, I wonder, what if the rocky soil hearts had some solid Christian friendships in their life? What if they had some people that would ask them the tough questions and say, Hey, how are you doing in your walk this week? Hey, how are you doing in your faith? Have you, have you been in the word this week? Have you been in prayer this week? Could that help grow roots deeper? Could that help break up rocky soil to allow for God's word to become deeper in our lives? If you had that to look forward to every Sunday morning, that you had that Christian brother or sister that would actually come to you and care enough about you to interfere in your life. Oh, I know we're private Christians. private Christians, Stay in your lane, private Christians. You know, don't, don't talk to me, private Christians. Hi, yes, yes, everything's fine in my life. Yeah, private Christians, you know, but, but what if somebody actually interfered in our lives a little bit? What if somebody cared enough to ask a question like, how are you doing? No, don't say fine. How are you really doing? How's the walk? How, how are you doing with your walk with the Lord? How are you doing in your Bible reading? How is the Word and the seed of the Word of God being put into your soil this week? Are you struggling with the temptation? Is the devil on your back doorstep about to enter in? Keep the door shut. You need this in your life. You need someone to pray for you. Someone who's going to be real with you. Someone to ask questions. I've learned it through the years. I kind of used to have this tendency to want to pull over and be a private Christian. But what I've learned through the years is I have some friends. I have some spiritual brothers. Some of them are 87 years old. I need my 87-year-old brother. <laughs> some of them are my, my elders, and some of them are 60 years old, and some of them are only 44 some of them are out of town or out of state because sometimes I just need to be able to vent a little bit. But I know these guys were going to turn me back the right direction. And you say, Eric, I hear what you're saying. I feel your pain. I understand your heartache and your hardship. But you, are, you, are you looking in the scriptures? Have you prayed? about this? Not like a one sentence prayer, but a season of prayer about this? Are you really seeking out the will of God? Are you really understanding? Look what it says, Hebrews three twelve and 13. It says this, take care, take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil and unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Notice what it says there. With the Lord falling away. That any of you would fall away. Leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day. Don't wait till Sunday to make that call. Every day. Exhort each other every day. As long as it is called today, which is speaking to urgency. It's saying this is real and this is urgent. This isn't something you want to let go on. You don't want to let strain go on. You don't want to let somebody that you haven't seen in church for a while just go on. You don't want to say, Oh, I'll give them three more weeks and then I'll call them. No, no, no. no it's saying... As long as it's called today, let us exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that how many of you, that none of you, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And I love it. He could have said that none of you be hardened by sin. That's how he could have ended it. But what does he say there? That none of you would be hardened by what? The deceitfulness. Why? Because Satan's a liar. He's crafty. He makes things that... Aren't good for you. Look good for a time and a season, and get you kind of wet in your appetite, and you start to think about it more than you should, and then you start to justify it a little bit, and then sometimes you do it, and then you make an excuse for it, and now we're trying to justify it on the backside because I already did it, and I... sin is deceitful, and the whole game plan with sin to, is to get you to have this this affront, this wall, maybe it's a rock, so that God. And His Word can't penetrate you deeply. And I love what it says there. that We are to exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. Take care, brothers, then, lest there be any of you with an evil and unbelieving heart that would lead you to fall away from the living God. We need accountable relationships in our life. We need brothers and sisters that love and care about us enough. And some of you don't have that because you are so closed, you will not allow it. Some of you won't allow it. I'm, I get it, because you're so messed up. I mean, let's be honest. I was like, man, if people knew my stuff, they'd be like, man, I don't know if I want to be his friend anymore. I don't want to know if I'd be her friend. I I know I thought their marriage was solid. And man, I heard all this stuff. And you know, I, I really thought that they were a good friend. And, and you know, well, I thought they had all together. I thought they were really holy and pure. And We need accountable relationships. That none would be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That's why we exhort. That's why we pour into each other. That's why we love one another. That's why it's gonna take all of us as family to live out the Christian life. Now I want you to understand, I wanna be clear this morning, that God and and I'm not calling you to be someone's Holy Spirit. That you're gonna be the conviction in their life and their heart. You're not called to be someone's Holy Spirit. That's not what God is asking you to do. But you can, you can be a voice of truth and a source of encouragement to someone in their walk. I think it works two ways. You got to allow it in your own life and then you got to go do it in someone else's. If you're sitting here this morning thinking, I don't have either, maybe that's your next step to following Jesus. As we close today, I want to point out something in verse 17. At the very beginning, we've read it three times, I think. We'll read it again. At the beginning of 17, it says, and they have no root in themselves. Did any of you read that and go, what does that mean exactly? They have no root in themselves. You see, I think sometimes professing Christians have no root in themselves. They're actually professing faith something else or someone else. Some of us, we have our root in our parents, or our family. Some of us, we have our root in our Christian friends. Some of us may have a root even in a pastor. Some of us have our root in enthusiastic surroundings of a church, church body. Sometimes, and there are many more, whose religion must be sustained by some type of enthusiasm or excitement. It seems like, you know, if they were baptized one day and it was in boiling water, the only way they can get excited is to have boiling water again. And then we begin to wither away because we weren't really ever rooted in the Word of God. The religion that was born in us was just mere excitement, which died when the exciting feelings went away. And it's hard. It's hard. I think sometimes rocky people they, they may be under the misunderstanding that God's gonna make their life great, that He's gonna take all their problems away, and they'll never have any issues, there'll never be any more suffering. And then when those times come and the sun starts beating down, what did it say? In verse 16, Wither away. You know, earlier we talked that we need to be aware of the devil's plan. And I want to end this morning by making you aware of God's plan. We can be aware of the devil's plan. We know what he wants to do. We know his end game. We know what he's about. But I want to make you aware of God's plan. God's plan this morning. Because God has a plan too, and God's plan is better than Satan's. You see, from the beginning, you need to understand just a little bit of background. From the beginning, Adam and Eve in the garden, when sin entered the world, death entered the world. And upon death entering the world, God made a rule, and he said, hey, if there's sin, something has to die. Something has to die, and the blood of that sacrifice, the blood of that death will cover the sins. And then what you see what we get in the Old Testament, right? You read the Old Testament, what do we see in the Old Testament? We see these animal sacrifices, right? We're gonna take this lamb, we're gonna sacrifice it, and its blood's gonna pour out on this altar, and then we're gonna burn it up. You we're gonna do it with a ram, we're gonna do it with a goat, we're gonna do it with pigeons, we're gonna do it with all these different animals for all these different things, because the blood's gonna cover sins. And then God says, hey, we're gonna do this once and for all, because these people are so wrapped up in their sin. I'm going to send Jesus, my son, and he's going to be the one and only all-time sufficient sacrifice to cover all of the sins. All the sins of the people at that time when Jesus was crucified on the cross, all the sins that were committed in the past, all the sins that are committed into the future, and the sins that we commit in our own lives, God says, wait, I'm going to send my son. He's going to sacrifice. and He's going to die for you. So that you can live for him. He's going to pay the consequence. He's the one that's going to make the sacrifice. He's the one that's going to be tortured for your sins and your transgressions so that you can live for him. So that when the seed of the word comes, it can fall on this soil that is rich. This soil that will come that doesn't have this hardness just below the surface. This, this soil that's going to make and produce such a harvest and fruitfulness. It's Jesus. And I want you to understand this morning, because I know some of you feel like you're so far away from God, that, man, I, I just feel so far away from God right now. I just, it doesn't matter how far you feel away from God. It doesn't. It doesn't matter what you've done. You probably have a list. God will forgive all of those sins. And the same power that resurrected Jesus from the tomb that brought him back to life, that resurrected his life is the same power we have that'll resurrect us from our lives of death in in sinfulness and raise us to walk in newness of life. I love what Romans six says. because, Because the apostle Paul says, what shall we say then? Should we go on sinning so that grace may increase? And he says, by no means. He talks about how we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And then he talks about baptism the beautiful symbolism of baptism, that you are buried, just like Christ was buried in the tomb, you are buried in the waters of baptism. And when you come out of those waters, it's a symbolic washing away of sin. And he says there in Romans 6, that you are raised out of that baptismal water to walk in newness of life. Why? How? How? It's going to turn your soul upside down. How? How does he do it? It's the power of God and the grace of Jesus and the love of God Forgiving our sins and setting us in a place where we can become rooted and there's going to be great fruit produced in our lives. All we've got to do, all we've got to do is understand that we need to turn our life over to Him.